Matthew 25, it's not time to play it safe. It is not time to play it safe. Start reading with me at the 14th verse. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, there are a few keys to understanding this principle. We want to highlight them quickly so it just helps everyone kind of be on the same page. As you know, Jesus would speak parables, which were real-to-life scenarios, real-to-life stories that taught a spiritual lesson. And there are really quite a few spiritual lessons in this one particular parable. But a few things, I think, that are important to highlight. Number one, the man traveling or the master in the story over the servants is clearly Jesus. He, it's, he's depicted as, as Christ himself. In fact, this parable is ongoing teaching that started in the, the 24th chapter. If you go back and, and read chapter, starting at chapter 24, this is just an ongoing sermon, really an ongoing teaching from Jesus about the last days, tribulation, the Lord's departure, and then, of course, his second coming. And in, throughout the 24th, 25th chapter, Jesus is teaching his followers how they should behave or how they should live until he returns. And so it teaches us this, this, clear, this clear thought that's not only here in the 24th and 25th chapter of Matthew, but really throughout the scripture, especially or in the New Testament. It, it teaches you and I as New Testament uh, disciples, followers of Christ, that we are to love the appearing of Christ, that, we, that we're to be looking for his appearing, right? We're to be anticipating his second coming. And, and while we're watching or waiting for his second coming, we're to be laboring faithfully until he comes. 
That, that, is, that is an indisputable theme throughout the scripture. That, that's very, very evident and very clear. We are to be watching, witnessing, and working. The three W's. Every one of us, none of us are exempt from this if we are to call ourselves followers of Christ. Now, some would say that we are currently living in between verses 18 and 19. If you look at it in verse 18, that was the, he, he gives the one talent, gives it to the guy and the guy does what he does with it. And, and in verse 19 says, after a long time, the Lord of his servants came. And so we're, we're in between the Lord, the master has not returned yet, Right. And, and so I would agree with that. God has, has come. He has given us assignments. He has given us work. He has given us opportunities according to our abilities. And he has departed. But he is coming back. The master is coming back. The master will return. The master will ask what have you done with what I gave you? There is an expectation of profitability. There is an expectation of growth. Come on, somebody. Every, every, you were excited early on the point, and then it got a little quiet. This is important, but it is a reality. The master is returning. And the master will do exactly what the master does in this parable. He will give an account. He will ask for an account. There is a day of reckoning. Reckoning is an accounting term. It means show me what you have. Bring it all out. Let's put it all on the table as it is. We know this is true because it's reiterated in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Where Paul says the day of fire is going to come. And everything that you're building, all that you're doing in your life is going to be tested by fire. And those things that are good and from God and, and attached to the kingdom of God and utilized through the God's grace, he said those things are going to remain. And those things that were futile endeavors that had nothing to do with the Lord or his kingdom are going to burn away. Right? And so that's very clear. Number three, the talents are money, right? In, in this particular parable, it's, it's actually money. So each one of these guys were given an amount of money. And they were given an amount of money based on their ability to handle it. It's very important that you recognize that. And we're gonna, we'll focus on that more as we go. And so it's important that you don't get caught up right now on whether you are a five, a two, or a one. But the reality is there are fives, twos, and ones in this room. That means there are five talent people, there are two talent people, and there are one talent people. Not, not necessarily based on their reaction. Don't, don't, this is why it's important that you gotta be. In other words, what that means is based on your ability, right? And so what's important to emphasize, we're going to more as, as we go, is that in, in the economy of God, it's, it doesn't matter if you're a five or a one, right? In, in the natural economy, it does, right? Because we look at people based on what can they do, what abilities do they have, what can they produce, you know? And then we have, we have the haves and the have-nots in, in kind of the secular mind frame. You get it done, you don't get it done. That's not, that's not what this parable is. You, ha you have to understand that. But 
you, you do have to understand that each of us have different abilities. And based on those abilities is what God entrusts us with. And so this morning, what I really want you to see is that the talents are really God's grace. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. The, the talents are actually God's grace. Why would I say that? Because everything that you and I have been given comes from God's grace, right? Grace is undeserved favor, undeserved merit. Anything that you and I receive from God, we did not deserve. We do not deserve. Would everyone agree with that? Say amen. And so, so I, I think it's fair today to say, I want you to just see the talents as God's grace, everything that you have been given. Th this morning, you and I are not owners of what we possess or what we have. We, we are actually stewards. Does that make sense? We don't, we don't actually own anything. Naked I came into this world and naked I will leave. Correct? And that's, that, that, is, that is a very clear truth. And so, so we're not owners of the things we have. We are, we are stewards of what God has given us by his grace. And the most important part of being a steward is faithfulness. Got to get that. That's the, that. And that is the key, in essence, to this whole, this whole parable is faithfulness. I want, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice. This parable is not about how much you produce. That's a worldly mentality. You got to get that out of your head because if you just read it in the surface and you're reading it with a natural lens, you're going to think, man, the more I produce, the more the master's going to be pleased. That's not real. That's not true. I'm telling you, that's not true. That is not this parable. Hopefully you'll see that by the time we end. This is not a parable about how much you produce. That is a worldly mentality. That's what, that's what corporate America does. That's what the business world does. That is, that is not what, this, this parable is about the quality of what you produce. It's not about the quantity of what you produce. It's about the quality of what you produce. It is truly about your faithfulness over what God has put in your hands. That's really what it is. That's, that's, that's why I said, don't worry about it too much. Because if the five guy, five guy, that's, which is one of my favorite restaurants, seriously just quickly gets me on a rabbit trail. I'm thinking about a cheeseburger and then anyway, if you're the five guy and you are, you are not very faithful and yet you're the one guy and you're faithful over that one thing you have, the reward for the one guy is going to be greater than the reward for the five guy. Does that make sense? That, that, that's, it just all, all of a sudden it all becomes equitable. It all becomes fair. It all becomes even if you will. But notice this, the percentage of gain from the five talent guy and the two talent guy, exactly the same, right? The, the five guy takes the five and multiplies it and has 10. The two guy takes the two and, and doubles it and makes it, makes it four. Are you with me? And so, so their percentage of increase is exactly the same, but here's the key, so is their reward. Do you notice? The, the reward is exactly the same. Notice what he says. Verse 20, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. That's 21. That's the five talent guy. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. 
enter into the joy of your Lord. The two-talent guy, what does he say to him? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Same reward, right? So, so today, it's not a matter of if, if you have a great deal of grace, uh, you, you have more grace bestowed upon you than others. You have more talents, more time, more treasure, more, more ability, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It, what matters is your faithfulness over what you have. Does that make sense? Our, our reward is not based on how much we produce. It's based on how faithful we are over what God gave us. The question is this. The question will be this. If you write it down, it's this. With what God gave you, what did you produce? That's what you're going to have to give an account for. That's, that's what each and every one of us, when, we, when the master returns and we stand before the master, we're going to have to answer that question. With what I gave you, what did you produce? Think about that. Sobering thought, isn't it? If, 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 and, and, then, and then here's the last key point. There's a lot, but just for today. This is, if, this, is what, this is what just really causes my, the hair on the back of my neck. It says this. If you are unwilling to use what God gives you to produce more, what you have will actually be taken. And folks, I've, I've been around long enough now in the ministry to watch, and I've watched this happen. I was talking to Charlotte about it the other day. That I watch this take place. I, I watch as, as, as opportunities are given, as, as, as people are given chances, doors are open, things it's in ministry particularly. And, and, and man, they start off like gangbusters and, and, and they're going. And, and as opportunities begin to increase and, think, and all of a sudden something starts to shift. Instead of just being a faithful servant, all of a sudden now, I'm looking for a title. All of a sudden now, I'm looking for position. All of a sudden now, I'm looking for people to esteem me. And what got you to where you are has been lost. That faithful service. Faithful to Jesus. I'll do what you ask. I'll, I'll do what you say. I'll do what I, whatever it is, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll go where you are. I'll do, what do you need? I'm there. I'm a servant. And all of a sudden you start losing that. And what I've watched over the, is then God says, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take some of that back. And, and then people are frustrated. They're frustrated in ministry and they're wondering, and they start to, the pastor didn't give me a chance and this didn't happen. And I don't know why these people are there. I don't know what's going on. I don't know where, what's God's will for my life. And, they're on the, and what happened is they lost the key that all of us have to, that have, we have to understand. You got to be faithful. You just got to be faithful over what you have. You can't be faithful over what you don't have. You got to be faithful over what you have. And so, so that's, that's the key, if you will, to the whole parable. Now, I want to pause for just a moment for those of you that are taking notes. And I want to ask the question, what is it then that Jesus, or what are some things that Jesus has entrusted us with? I just, I just, there's a lot. So I'm just going to give you a few, okay? Some, I think, that apply to all of us. What are some things that Jesus has entrusted us, some talents of our day? Number one is time. Would you agree? We've all been given time. And although we have, all of us have the same 24 hours, some of us have more spare time than others. Did you consider this, right? 
a married person with children and full-time employment has less spare time than a single adult with no children. So, so if you're a single person with no children and Jesus returns now, time's important. That, that TikTok all of a sudden isn't as important as when the master returns. Come on, somebody. That social media, that dating site, that pursuit of a relationship, all of a sudden that you thought you had to have, it was imperative. I need this. I'm going to pursue this. This is important. This is, this is so significant in my life, and everyone's telling me what I need. No, 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 no. Listen, you have time to deal with because you got more time than a lot of us all, a lot of all of us got. Now, now, for all the parents and the married people that are shouting amen, you may not have as much time, but you were given children, and you were given a spouse, and all of a sudden, guess what? You're responsible for how that child grows and how that child matures and how that child develops. You're responsible to create or to produce a God-honoring, God-loving, God-fearing, respectable human being that is productive themselves. That's your responsibility. Somebody say amen. The second thing we all have is health. Some have better health than others. That's obvious. And, and so the, the, the truth is, when you look at health, some of you are a five-talent person. Some of you are a one-talent person. But regardless of where you are on that spectrum, you have a responsibility to take care of it. I, I, this is the, the least responsive sermon portion of sermons that I've ever preached. Whenever I preach on health, nobody amens. Nobody thinks it's spiritual. Nobody thinks it's important. I'm here to tell you, you will give an account for how you took care of your physical body. You will. It's evident. It's clear. Why, Pastor? Why is that so important? Because when, if anybody in here is dealing with health issues, you know what I'm telling you is when you're healthy, you can produce and you can do. When you're sick, it's hard even to pray. When you're sick, listen to me, when, when, you're, when you're going through physical de- disease, physical disease, it's hard even to pray, right? And, and you don't, God understands that. God knows that. And, that. and that yet many of us take when we're healthy and, and we won't pray and we won't, we won't fast. That, well, this is a perfect setup for the fasting. Like for those of you that are healthy, you better be fasting. Because there are people in the room that can't do it. That would love to do it. I had a precious lady in the second service last week. I was like, just sincere. She's like, I'm on this medicine and this medicine. And she's going, I got to take, I'm diabetic and I got to take this stuff and insulin. And I got to, after this, I got to take, I got to eat a snack. And she's like, I'm supposed to eat a meal, three meals and a snack after everything. She's like, I think I can get by with the snack. You think I can just, you think I could just not do the snack? And I'm going like, God. You know, and I'm struggling. I'm struggling about five guys. I'm wanting a five guys. And she's wanting to give up a snack that she needs because of her medication. Come on. We, we've all been given a measure of health. And, and so you have a requirement to maintain it. We, we get 
this is a messed up system because of, because of our culture, right? We have all these, you got to be a certain weight or a certain whatever, look a certain way. Forget all of that. that that's, that's foolish. We all know that. But you do have a responsibility to eat better, to maintain your weight. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I understand some of you have, a lot of you, a lot of us, I just, I'm not going to even say that point. Listen, some of us have trouble, right? I got up this morning and this shirt was tighter than it used to be right here. I get it. And it's not easy. I understand all of that. No, but, but, but there's a responsibility. We have health and we're responsible for it. Number three, we all have money. It's not really about how much you have or how much you don't have, which we spend most of our time focusing on. That's not the focus. The focus is how generous are you with what you've been given. And, and, and a whole other lesson is the likelihood is I can connect your generosity with how much you have. Well, actually, the word of God does. Be, because to whom much is given, much is required, and to whomever is faithful over what is given... More is given. That's the truth. That's a print. That's a biblical. If you're upset with that, that's the scripture. And so, so what are you doing with what you do have? Remember, you say, for, for those of you that struggle with that, what, what about Jesus as he has the disciples and he's at the temple and he's watching people give, right? They're giving. They're coming and somehow everyone knew what everyone was giving. And they're like these really wealthy people and they're giving big checks, and then this widow comes and she gives the equivalent of today, two cents, two mites, a very, very small amount of money. And Jesus says, that's, that's the one. She gave more than anyone. And they're like, what do you mean she gave one? She gave two cents. That dude just gave a thousand dollars. He says, no, no, no. She gave out of her need. She gave everything she had, Right? And so, so it's not a matter of how much money you have. It's a matter of how generous you are. Spreading the gospel, number four, is, is something that has been placed in every single one of our hands. We, we have all been given the task, the talent, the responsibility of spreading the gospel. And, and, and some of you have more influence than others. Those of you that have more influence are going to be more responsible for the souls you won. And so, so you might not have a lot of, of influence over a lot of people, but, but you better make sure the people you do have influence over knows the gospel. They know about Jesus. They know your story. They know about your, they know about your salvation. They know about Christ being the one and only Savior. They, they, you have a responsibility. You have been transformed by God's grace. You have experienced his grace and his love, and you have been given the task by Jesus, Matthew 28, go now and teach. Go forth and tell. Speak about me. Talk about me. Tell them what I've done for you. Tell them who I am. And yes, there are levels of, of how many, are, but it doesn't matter, right? It's, but every one of us have that responsibility. Number five, we all have the responsibility of loving others. Some of you had the privilege of growing up in a loving home and learning how to love and, and it being taught and instilled in you. Others did not. Regardless, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, you have been given this 
ability, this task, this talent, this whatever you want to call it, to love others, this command to love others. Number six, we have been called and commanded and given the opportunity to care for the poor, to stand in defense of the marginalized, and to walk alongside and help the hurting. And all of us have different abilities to do that, but we're all called. Every one of these six things we are all responsible for. Not one of us is exempt. You and I are made participants of Jesus's ministry. When you you received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were made a participant of his ministry as well. You were given the Holy Spirit. And the reason you were given the Holy Spirit and not simply translated like Star Trek from this earth to heaven was because you now are like the stewards and you are expected to bring a return with what God has invested in you. That's the reality. We're stewards of the things that Jesus values the most. Think about that for a minute. Now, with that said, I want to shift the focus to end this, to end this teaching. And I want, to, I want to spend the rest of the time on this point. Because while there are a lot of teachings, and you've probably heard great teachings, other points on the parable of the talents, and there are. Okay, I don't, that's fine. What I want you to focus on now for the rest of today is this point, because I think really, and I shared this with our staff a couple of weeks ago, I I think that the whole parable is really about one question. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's really about one question, and that is, who do we say God is? Yes, it's about faithfulness. Yes, it's about return. Yes, it's about one talent, five talent, two. I get it. So many, so many lessons in there, good lessons. It's, it's teachings of Jesus. But if you just take the parable as a whole and you say, tell me, like, what's the main point? What's, what's the number one thing, Pastor? What's it? Just give me one nugget. What's the main thing? I'm going to give you the number one nugget. To me, the number one thing, the most important thing that you have to get if you read this parable and you really desire to know what it is, and that is, how are you answering the question, who do you say God is? Who do you say God is? Is is God the master that we love, we trust, that we know to be a God of grace, the God who enjoys entrusting us with his stuff? Or is he the hard taskmaster who can be counted on to punish us if we make a mistake? The minute we fail, right? There's because, because the five and the two guy see their master as a master of grace, a master of grace. Man, look what he's entrusted in me. Look at this. This is amazing. Hallelujah. Look what I've got. Boy, I'm going to praise, I'm going to use this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I know what I'm going to do. I'm so grateful for what I have. And because of his goodness, I'm going to celebrate his goodness and I'm going to celebrate his grace and I'm going to take what he's given me and I'm going to use it. And when he returns, man, he's going to be, boy, he's going to be excited. And they are, they are excited about his return. They are anticipating his return. They can't wait for him to return. Why? Because they know he is a God or a master of grace, a master of love, a master who trusts them. But the one talent guy, that's not how he saw his master. He saw his master. No, this guy here, you, whoa, look at me. Hey, yo, you make a mistake, bam, you're down. You say the wrong thing when you witness, you're getting it. You're going to ruin the whole thing. You, you go out 
and you try to talk to someone at work and you mix it up a little bit, you say something wrong, you quote a verse a little wrong, bam! You're done. You're punished. Can't wait till I get back to punish you. Should have done it perfect. That's the one talent guy. How do you see God? How, how do you view God this morning? How do you view the master is? Because, listen, this is important. How you answer this question is going to determine how you serve God and how you steward what's been given to you. Right? It, it really is. It, it really, it holds the key to how you're living your life. Jesus makes it plain that the servants who risked the talents that they were given were rewarded for doing so. They were rewarded. And the one who played it safe by burying the talents was clearly condemned. Would everyone agree with that? That's obvious in the story, correct? Folks, listen. To play it safe is not safe at all. If, if, if you think, and many of you have been deceived by the name, playing it safe is good. Playing it safe is not good according to this parable of Jesus Christ. Playing it safe is not safe at all. Don't be deceived into believing that it's okay to worry about making a mistake. Mm, I, I, I'm going to say that again. Don't, some of you are living your Christian life and your excuse for not doing things for the kingdom of God, your excuse for not witnessing, your excuse for not giving, your excuse for not volunteering, your excuse for not helping the poor, is I, I might do it wrong. And you feel real comfortable and you feel real good about it. But I'm here to shatter that this morning and tell you, don't be deceived in being lazy and using the excuse, I might make a mistake. Because every person in this room makes mistakes. Every person in this room is a failure. Every person in this room has sinned. All of us fall short of God's glory. The master knew that when he entrusted what he entrusted you with. He trusts you. It's time for you to start trusting yourself. Somebody say amen. There's no such thing as taking it easy. There, there's, there's no easy way out. There's, there, to lack courage is a sin. Do you know that? You're getting out of control now. Read Revelation. Read the book of Revelation. I should have looked it up. I don't know what, maybe it's 24, 21, chapter 21. I don't know what chapter it's in. It's there. It gives a list of everyone that's going to be in the lake of fire. I don't spend a lot of time reading that portion. It's there. But the number one, the first person, the first listed person, you know who it is? The fearful. Isn't that odd? The fearful? In the lake of fire? The, they're the number one? Why? Because, because they were so afraid to step out. They were so afraid to follow. They were so afraid. But in, the, in that case, they were so afraid. What will my family think? What will this person say? What? I don't know. I'm not sure. I think he's right. And ultimately, they choose to reject Christ, right? Because they're afraid. Listen, the, the, the minute, I don't know where you were. I don't know how you did it. But that moment when you, and I'm using this and that, stepped out of the aisle and came to the altar. Maybe that was at your home. Maybe that was somewhere else. You took a risk. You had to take a risk. You, you, you had to say bye to the old life. 
and including old relationships possibly, and you had to say yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Fear will keep you from doing that. But that same fear can come and begin to stifle us even when we are Christians and keep us from doing the things that God has called us to do. Staying in the boat is not an option. You were called to walk on water. Do you understand that this morning? That's who you are as a Christian. You, there's, your place in the boat is not, it's not for you. It's for other people. Your place is to get up and follow the leading of Jesus. If we really love Christ and we truly understand his grace, we will do whatever we can to take what he's given us and make it grow. If we, if we trust Christ, if we trust the true revelation of scripture. Now, some of you right now are saying, yeah, but. And, and all you're thinking about now are the, the, the potential negatives. And that's how you live. And so the question for me, that, for, from me to you this morning is, is that how you're living? Do you look at everything in life and say, all you see is not the opportunity, but instead the possibility of some negative outcome? Many of you are living that way. Everything in life you're looking at, there's opportunities presented to you all the time. And you see them, and the first thing you see is the potential for failure. You see the potential for a mistake. You, 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 see, you see the potential to do it wrong. And so instead, you decide to stay in the boat. And I'm telling you that, that the one talent guy did that, and you see the end result. Are you with me? I'm thankful, I don't want to embarrass him, but I'm just seeing him and I'm coming to mind. This week, Ben Lawhorn, for the first time, gave a sermon to our, to our youth ministry. Nervous, were you nervous? He was nervous. Just like any other you would have been nervous. And he stood up and he shared his heart and I heard from Matt. And, and the kids, the youth, the, the kids were crying. Kids were coming to Jesus. Because he just said, you know what, I, I am nervous and I'm scared and I don't necessarily, but I'm going to step out of the boat and I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to do it. Listen, the results are not your responsibility. It's not your risk. God will take care of the results and God proved that Wednesday night and God proves that all the time. He needs people that will simply say, I know who my master is. I know he's a God of grace. If I make a mistake, it's going to be okay. He will correct me. He will show me. He will get me on the right path, but I refuse to do nothing. I refuse to stay in the boat. I refuse to be bound by fear. I, I refuse to be bound up by my, by my own frailty or fear of making a mistake. The true nature of our master frees us to take risks. Do you understand that? The true nature of Christ frees us to take risks. And this morning, either you recognize God as a, as a grace-giving God, or your life condemns him as a hard taskmaster. Look, look, look what the guy says, verse 24. 24. Can you imagine? This is what he says. He says, then he would receive the one talent, came and said, I know who you are. You're a hard man. When, when, you, when you refuse to take risk, when you refuse to use your mouth to share the gospel, when, when you refuse to witness to others because you say this, well, I'm afraid I'll say it wrong. I don't know enough scripture. I, I'm, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid I'll mess it up. When you do that, you're accusing God of being a hard taskmaster. You, you, you believe that if you go out this week 
And as, as messed up as you are with the word, because you, you haven't spent time reading it, and, and you're not, you don't know the word, but you hear this message this morning, and you're stirred, and you're like, no, I'm going to do it. And you go out, and you fumble around a few sentences, and you don't say it exactly right, but you talk about Jesus. You think that Jesus is going to be like, yeah, I can't believe it. What a mess. This was terrible. Is that how you see Jesus? There's the problem. There's the problem. That's how you see the father. You, I, I remember, let me just share this quickly. I got a couple of stories I didn't think I was going to share, but this morning in prayer, I feel like I had to share. I remember when I was first called to teach the word of God, to preach. And um, it was just a very sobering thought for me, right? Very, very important. The scripture that really was in my heart for the first couple of years was anyone who adds to or takes away from this word going to hell. Great. And so I'm going to teach the Bible. Wow, this is fantastic. What a great calling. The first, I, I, I said couple, it's probably five or six, it may be even longer, of, of time teaching for me, we're just miserable. I'm not going to lie. I, because, because I was so fearful of making a mistake that I would spend hours, hours on end studying very, very simple points. And I can look back and say that God used that for good because, you know, it's, we should study and all of that. But, but I wasn't doing it. For, I was doing it because I was scared. I was doing it because I was afraid I was going to say something wrong. I was doing it because in my mind, I knew that if I said something wrong and some impressionable person heard what I said and they went out and believed that and built their life on those words, that they were going to go to hell and I was going to be responsible. Well, there's a number of problems with all of that. One, it's a very self-elevated, it's a very, very, right, elevated view of yourself. Come on, isn't it? Like, you, you, you listen to me that much. That ain't on me. That's not on me. That's on you. Come on now. You should listen to me when I'm teaching the word of God. I get it. But, but you get the point. Each one of us are responsible before God on our own. But, but, but the other problem was this was not meant. God did not call me to, like, to be perfect in my calling. And so I remember when that just started to become, God started to make that clear to me. And, and I didn't, guess what? I didn't stop studying. I study, I study a tremendous amount now, today. 30 years later, I study a ton. I love it. I enjoy it. I study to gain knowledge. I, I don't study to wonder if I'm going to make a mistake. And, and there are times that, that I preach things, and some of you pointed out I wasn't exactly right. It's true. You're right. Good. Glad. That means I'm doing my job. You're, you get it. You're, you're intelligent. You're listening. You're, you're deciphering what's being said. Praise God. I'm not perfect. But, but here's the thing, I'm free to teach you the word of God because that's what's been entrusted to me. And I know my heavenly father, he's a God of grace. He's a God of love. And when I say something a little off, you may be all wigged out about it, but the father's not. And so I'm good with it. You can be wigged off all you want. It's okay. Like, you know, you said it wrong. You should have said that. That wasn't exactly, right? Good for you. Praise God. You did good. You should listen. That's great. 
Awesome. But, 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 but I know my heart. God knows my heart. I didn't intentionally try to deceive you. I'm not trying to intentionally deceive you. And it was freeing. And I'm going to tell you that I'm a, I'm, I am a better speaker today, a better pastor, a better preacher today than I was during those first few years. And those that are in the room that would be honest would amen that. They won't because they're the people that love me the most. But there were some rough early years. There were some rough early years. Elaine's like, just give me, just give me a wink. But it was freeing. Are you with me? There had to be a moment, and there was for me, where I said, I'm just taking risks. God, you know my heart. I've studied. I've prepared. I've taken what you've put in my hand, and I've, and I've used it, and I'm doing it. And so now, when I go and stand before, whether it's 10 people or, or, or 500 people, Lord, what comes out of my mouth, I entrust with you, but I'm going to take a risk, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to speak, and I'm going to share from your word, and I trust that you'll take care of the outcome, and I believe God has. Would you agree? Come on, say amen. And so, and so this morning, you cannot allow fear to rob you from being fruitful. You, you can't allow fear to cause you to waste opportunities. God is a loving father. The, the things that he has entrusted in you, he knows what he's doing. He, he entrusted it in you. Think about that for a minute. He, he gave it to you and he put it in your hands because he trusts you. Some of us really struggle with that concept, don't we? The idea that God would trust us is hard. But this parable teaches very clearly that he does trust you. He trusts you. He, he trusts you enough to put these things in your hand so, so, so that you'll take them and utilize them for the glory of his name. I, I, I want you to notice as we get ready to close, two out of the three servants were bearing fruit. I love this. It, it really kind of came to my attention this week that, that two of the three were actually bearing fruit. Two of three were experiencing gain. Two of the three were, were just simply going out, serving the Lord, serving the master, doing his will. Not, not afraid, not worried. They, two of the three were, were excited about the master's return. Two of the three were, were just busy doing the Lord's work, following his instructions. Looking forward, can't wait. I can't wait till he gets back. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking the five guy, the five talent guys, like right away he takes the five and he multiplies. He has one more and he's thinking, man, if he comes back, I've already, already, it's been so, and I've already got one more extra. And so praise God. And then, you know, the master delays, and it was a little long then. He said, man, look at this. I've, I've taken the five he had, and I've, I've got seven. This is great. Praise God. And then it's like the Lord just keeps returning and says, now it's three, and now it's four, and now it's five. And then the master returns. He's like, shh, it's awesome. If you would have just stayed a little longer, I would have made this ten. Is that how you're living? Is that how you're living your Christianity? Because if you're not... If you and I are not living that way, we're being robbed. We're being robbed by the devil. We're being robbed by the liar. You're, you're, being, li you're being lied to. You're being deceived by the enemy, afraid to make a mistake, afraid to do just something a little bit out of line. Look, this sermon is not a, you know, I'll probably get an email. You should be harder on people about sin and tell them they shouldn't sin. No one's advocating that you sin and be spiritually lazy and that you be spiritual sloppy. That's not the church's problem today in America. 
The church's problem in America today is, is we're not doing much. And it could very well be we're not doing much is because we've, we've been deceived into thinking that our father is a hard taskmaster. And, and when I started this sermon, as you guys get ready to come, when I started this sermon, I said, the master's coming back. And I said it bold. I said it loud in the microphone. And I said, he's going to take an account for everything. Your immediate thought was fear. Your immediate thought was, oh, oh no, I got to hide this. What I, I do have something. I got I to hide this in the earth because, oh, he's right. And I know there's the day coming. It's not what it's meant to be for you if you're a Christian. The day of the Lord is to be anticipated. He is returning. Everything I said is true. He is coming back. He is the master. He is going to ask for an account. He is going to ask you for a return on the investment. He does expect profitability. All those are absolutely true. But praise God, you have been given the great, you have been trusted. You have been given the resources. You've been given the tools, the time, the talent, the treasure, all that you have need of. And you have been given the ability to multiply it. If all you'll simply do is have faith and step out, begin to take a little risk, God will multiply everything that you're doing. And you won't have to worry about the return of Jesus Christ. You'll anticipate it. Amen? Come on, let's stand all over the building. I, I believe that is a picture of, of the last days, this is important, remnant church. There's going to be a remnant church in the last days. Jesus is going to return for a victorious church. It might not be large in number, but it's going to be a people like the two out of three, the five and the two guy. They're excited, right? They, they're, 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 they, they know that, hey, God is coming back, and, but, but I can, I can produce I can take the things that God's given me, my time. I can take my health. I can take my children. I can take, I can take all these other things, you know. And, and, folks, the list goes on specific for you, right? All the things that I talked about are in general that we all have. And then each of you have other opportunities and giftings and abilities and all this stuff that have been given by the grace of God. And, and this morning, I pray that we will spend 23 Serving the master without fear, serving him with courage, taking chances, bringing in a harvest because he's worthy of it all. Would you agree? Come on, say amen. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, you've never accepted Christ, I should say it that way, I suppose. You've, you've never given your life to him. But something today in the service, some inner voice, some inner drawing from God is telling you now's the time. You should give your heart right now. You should I want to follow Jesus. I want to take what he's given me and serve him with it. I want to serve him as my master. I want to serve him as my Lord. If that's you and you've never done that, you've never accepted Christ, raise your hand and we'd love to pray with you give you an opportunity before we do anything else to do that. Is there anyone in the building, here on the floor, or in the balcony? Amen. Amen. What about on the balcony? In the balcony. And simply begin to pray this prayer. Let's take a moment. Let this gentleman pray. Just do it from your heart. Tell him today, yes, I'm done. I'm done running. I'm done fighting. I'm done doing my own thing. 
I surrender. I yield to your love. You've pursued me with your love. Tell him this morning you've sinned, you've fallen short. Confess it. Confess your sin. Confess that he is the Lord and Savior, the only way to heaven. Ask him to forgive you. And immediately, if your heart is sincere, he will do it. And then just begin to tell him, I'm ready now. I'm ready to just give you all that I have, all that I am, and follow you as Lord and Master of my life. Cleanse me, wash me, cover me in your blood, forgive me, make me new. Oh, friend, pray that prayer. If you're praying that prayer this morning from your heart, you are being born again, the scripture says. You're going from spiritual death into spiritual life. And the angels of heaven are rejoicing as they watch you surrender your life to Christ. Amen. And so do we. Come on, put our hands together. Thank you, Jesus. Now for the rest of us, let's take a minute. Lots to ponder this morning. Would you agree? Lots to consider for each of us. I don't want to be fearful in 23 or 23. I want to be a risk taker. I, I want to be someone that steps out for Jesus. When I think there's an opportunity, if I just think it. I've heard so many of you say that. This year, here's my advice to you. If you even think it, just go. Just go. Just go. If you do it wrong, if you do something wrong, you the Lord is faithful to correct you. And you'll know. Let me just tell you, you'll know. I've made so many mistakes. And you know and you feel bad. And when I was young, it really it was hard. Because you, you don't no one wants to disappoint the Lord. But I'm telling you, according to this parable, the greatest disappointment to God is for you to think that he's a hard taskmaster and for you to think that he's waiting to punish you and for you to think that if you, you, you know, there's no outlet for a mistake, there's, there's, no, there's no opportunity to fail here, there's nothing. No, no, he's gonna be perfect. That hurts the heart of God. Let's take risks this year. Let's step out of the boat. Let's do things for God that maybe we would have never done before, but, but our hearts are stirred for. Come on, let's sing. Pray here, pray there. Let's take, let's take two or three minutes just to let the word of God sink in our hearts and to pray.